Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Are you ready for our last session on wisdom today? I hope it's not the last session in your life, but it will be the last session in this series as we finish up our series, Pity the Fool. So we're going to start off where we have started off every week in Proverbs 4 and 7. This has been our core scripture for this series. You can read it with me. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. We have been talking about the idea that if we are going to have wisdom in our life, then we need to make wisdom a priority in our life, something that we are going after, something that we are going to get and obtain and hold on to. We have three boys, as I just mentioned, and when we first gave birth to our very first son and he came home, I realized very quickly, I do not have the wisdom or the insight for this situation and this scenario. I very quickly became concerned with the fact that babies do not sleep, and if babies do not sleep, that also means that I do not sleep, and I care greatly about my own sleep. I care greatly that I am getting good amounts of sleep. And I figured there must be somebody who has done this before. And so I set out to figure out how it is that you can teach babies to sleep. And what are the tricks and who has gone before me that can tell me. And I found all of the insight and all of the wisdom and all of the experience that I could possibly read about and talk to and figure out. And I am proud to announce to you that I taught that kid how to sleep. And he was sleeping before I went back to work all the way through the night. And I was so proud of myself. I was like, I have learned this wisdom and I have applied this wisdom. Because that's an important aspect of wisdom is that you learn it and you apply it. I don't know if you've ever talked to somebody who's learned a lot of wisdom but hasn't applied a lot of wisdom. But I learned and I applied the wisdom that I found. And I was like, this is great news. And I was feeling myself. I have a niece that is like the exact same age as Theo. And I was talking to my mother-in-law and she was like, oh my goodness, don't tell your sister-in-law that Theo's sleeping through the night because his cousin is not sleeping through the night yet at all. And I was like, well, I've learned some things. So if she wants to talk to me, come on, I am not a pastor 24-7, 365. Sometimes I'm a little bit of a petty sister-in-law and I'm like, are you telling me that I've trained my child better than she's trained her child? This is great news for me to find out. And then we had a second son, and he came home, and I was like, no problem. I've had some experience, and I've done this before, and I'm going to teach this kid how to sleep just like I taught that last one how to sleep. And that's the good thing about wisdom is you walk in life, and sometimes things that were major challenges for you in the past, you can approach them now, and you can say, I have faced this before. I've come to this road before, and I've gained some wisdom along my path and I've gained some experience along my path and now that I've come to this this crux in the road again I know what to do and I set out to work my plan and to apply my wisdom and I taught that kid how to sleep again and I was like this parenting thing ain't so bad let's get another one 
And we went and got a third kid, and we had that third baby boy, and we brought him home. And I was like, no worries, guys. I taught that first one how to sleep through the night. And I taught this second one how to sleep through the night. I know what to do. I've been here before. And that third child, I did all the things that I did with those other two. And I worked the exact same plan that I had worked with the other two. And I did exactly what they told me how to do. But that third boy would not sleep through the night for anything. And so I rerouted and I reapplied and I readjusted. And I was getting input from other people. And they're like, well, have you tried this? And I was like, yes, I tried that. And they're like, well, maybe what you need to do is. And I was like, no, I've done that. And they're like, well, maybe just a little bit longer. And I'm like, it's been a little bit longer. And it's been a little bit. This kid, well, because what I learned is sometimes there's a way that you can apply wisdom. And sometimes there's a way that things work. And the general rule goes in this direction. But sometimes. It just doesn't work. Sometimes life is just going to be life. And sometimes you do all the right things. And sometimes you apply all the right methods. And sometimes you go down the exact same path. And for whatever reason, sometimes it doesn't work this time. And I came to this final installment of Pity the Fool. And I actually had another topic that we had outlined and thought that that was the direction we were going. And as I began to prepare for this week, and I began to prepare for this weekend, I just felt the Holy Spirit pulling me and tugging me that I could not leave you in this series on wisdom with the impression that 100% of the time when you apply the Proverbs to your life, you are going to get the exact same outcome. Because most of the time, this is the way that life will go. Most of the time, if you're pursuing the good life, but sometimes, and there are two other books of wisdom in the Bible for that. See, Proverbs is one of our books of wisdom, but we also have the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Job to remind us that sometimes, sometimes, look what Ecclesiastes says. In Ecclesiastes, I think it's 7 and 15 that we're going to go to. It says, in vain, in my vain life, your translation might say my vapor or this wisp of a life or this breath of a life, this, this short, finite moment of a life that I have. I have seen everything, and that includes that there is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Father God, I thank you that you are in this room. And I thank you that you are a God of wisdom. I ask you to speak to us today. And I ask you to speak through me today. In your name, amen. Because here's the thing is that Proverbs will increase your probability of increase. And Proverbs will increase your likelihood of having, if you want to have a good, successful life and you want to stack your odds in that direction, then follow the Proverbs and apply them to your life. But Proverbs are not promises. Sometimes we do all of the right things, and sometimes we follow all of the right paths, and sometimes we're walking in the direction and in the plan and in the purpose, and we're saying, God, I've done all of the things that you told me to do, and I've laid out all of the, and life just, life's on you. 
And you're like, and how did I end up here? And you're standing there and you're going, that was a righteous person, God. How was their life cut short? And that joker is just going on in all of their evil doing. God, what is happening in this life sometimes? And I don't want you to walk away from this series. And I don't want you to walk away from this message looking and going, God, I've done all of the right things. Because sometimes you do all of the right things. And sometimes we go after, sometimes you train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, sometimes. And sometimes the upright possess the land and they take ownership of the place that they are going to prosper. But sometimes, sometimes, and sometimes you seek after wisdom and you give your whole life to it. But sometimes, sometimes I come to the end of that road and I say, I've done everything that I was meant to do. And I've done everything that I was supposed to do. And God, I've looked at my life and all of this is, is, is exactly in order. And I thought that I was showing up and I thought that I was doing what you called of me. And I thought that you, I was doing what you asked of me. But sometimes it just doesn't go the way that it ought to go. Sometimes life just turns on you and flips on you and sometimes you've shown up and you can't control what other people have done and sometimes and the book of Ecclesiastes if the book of Proverbs is a dad in the strength of his years saying son this is how you live your life Ecclesiastes is a grandfather at the end of his day saying but sometimes I've seen a lot I've seen a lot, and there's a way to live, and there's a way to go after, and there's a way to hold yourself. But sometimes, sometimes it rains, and sometimes it pours. Sometimes the sun shines, and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it's just how life goes. He says it again in Ecclesiastes 9, this same thought, this same idea. In Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 11, he comes again and he says, Again, again I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift. What are you talking about? That's exactly who the race is supposed to go to. The swift. The swift are meant to win their race. But the battle is not always to the strong. Who else is supposed to win the battle? And the bread is not to the wise, nor the riches to the intelligent, nor to the favor with those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. Sometimes it's just the time and chance of living in a world that is suffering the consequence of being in disconnection from God's original intent for us. Sometimes we are walking in our days and we are looking at what's happening and we're just, there is a theme throughout Old Testament scripture that has a strong bent towards the idea that often it is what you put in that you get back out. That often it is the way that you interact with the world that then creates the outcomes that you have. And certainly the bent of the book of Proverbs is if you live your life in accordance with God's precepts and in alignment with God's ways, then you will get good things back to you. And most of the time, the probability of that is high for you. But sometimes, 
Sometimes Ecclesiastes tells us it rains on the just and on the unjust. Sometimes those who are unrighteous succeed and those who are, who are righteous falter. Sometimes it's just the time and the chance of life. And sometimes that's just the journey of living and of growing in life is that there are times that we walk through that are not the times that we wanted. And there are seasons that we walk through that are not the seasons that we signed up for or that we asked for. Sometimes there are moments in my life that I walk through and I say, God, if I could have chosen any other path, I would have chosen. God, if you could have given me any other affliction, I think I could have handled it, but not this God. Sometimes we walk through things and we say, how did I end up here? And it's just, it's the time and the chance. And I'm concerned that we've forgotten that life has time and chance to it. I'm concerned that we've forgotten that sometimes that's just how life goes. I'm concerned that anytime something doesn't come out with our anticipated or desired outcome, we have come to the uh, uh, end result in our mind that this is trauma in my life. I'm concerned that anytime the desire is not pleasurable for you and anytime the outcome is not what you hoped and dreamed it would be, I'm concerned that anytime we feel any kind of disappointment in our lives, all of the sudden we have walked through a traumatic experience in our life and we have forgotten that sometimes it's just the time and the chance of it all. I'm not saying that there are not traumas that we have walked through. And I'm not saying that there are not things that have impacted you and that have hit your soul. I'm actually saying quite the opposite, that we belittle what it means to go through genuine, heartbreaking, world-shattering, life-crushing trauma when we act like because they got your coffee order wrong and didn't remember your name, it was so traumatic that they don't know me. I come in here every day. That's not a trauma. It hurts your ego a little bit. And it's the time and the chance of life. It's not a trauma that you happen to lose a job. Sometimes that's just the time and the chance of life. Sometimes we do all of the right things and everything that's disappointing in my life is not a traumatic event. And everything that isn't what I wanted is not a traumatic outcome. Sometimes there are traumatic, horrific things that people walk through and come through. But every time that life disappoints, point you is not traumatic sometimes it's just the time and the chance of it and sometimes it's just the way the wind blows sometimes we do all the right things and we save our money wisely and we invest with good counsel and we spend with discretion and the market just turns And there are these two books, Ecclesiastes and Job, that come along to say, yes, your probability of the good life is greatly increased if you follow the words of Proverbs. But don't forget that sometimes, sometimes time and chance happens. And if the book of Ecclesiastes tells us, don't forget that sometimes The book of Job's gives us the picture of this is what the sometimes looks like. Job is a good 
man. The book starts out and it says, and there was an upright man named Job. It said he feared God and he thought of him in all of his ways. And the story of Job's life is that everything that he has is shattered and is taken from him. From his wealth to his family to his good name, everything he has worked for gets removed from his life. And he finds himself looking and going, and what do I do in the sometimes? And Job finds himself in a place where he doesn't know how he got here. But it says that in all of it, Job never lost his integrity. He never let go of his integrity in the midst of the sometimes of his moment, of his sometimes moment. Job did not lose his integrity. When you go through the sometimes moments of your life, may you not lose your integrity. May you hold on to your integrity. Phil taught us so well last week what integrity looks like in the way of wisdom and that integrity is an outcome and a characteristic of the wise person and the wise individual. And I love it. And when I think of integrity, I have this reoccurring thought in my life that I will not step outside of what I know I have been called to do and what I know to be right for who you are or for what any circumstance in my life is. Life may do what it will do, and you may say what you will say, but come to the end, I have to hold on to my integrity. And Job comes to the absolute bottom of who he is, and he never loses his integrity. And when Job comes to this absolute bottom, everything in his life has been swept away and crushed away and burned away from him. He has friends that come and they sit with him and they talk with him. And how good is it to have friends that will come and will be with you in the moment of despair? I hope that in your sometimes moments when you look and you go, what happened to my life and how did I get here and how did I come to this moment? I hope that in those moments of your life, you have friends that will come and sit with you because a friend can bring life to you and a friend can speak hope into you. A friend can be like a healing balm in your life. Proverbs told us that there are friends that stick closer than a brother. Proverbs told us that there are those who come into our life who are built for the day of adversity, that when you come into these trials and when you come into these sometimes moments, there is something about someone who's willing to just come around you and say, I know that everything in your life has been taken and I know that everything in your life has been gone, but I wanted you to know I wasn't just here for the party. I came to sit with you in your trial. It's why it's so important for us to do things like social night where you can begin to build relationships with people who hopefully can become your friend built for adversity. 
That's why groups are so important, where we come on a regular, consistent basis and build relationship with people because you cannot initiate and kickstart relationships like that when you come to your moment of trial and when you come to your moment of adversity. In the moments where life is easy and in the planes of your life to regularly, consistently be showing up in the place of relationship because there is something about the strength that comes from friends who are willing to gather around you and say, it looks like your life is a mess right now. So I just wanted you to know I'm here. I just wanted you to know I'm going to keep showing up. I want you to know I'm willing to come sit with you in the midst of absolutely nothing where you used to have absolutely everything. You know, it's one thing to not have anything. It's another kind of heartbreak to have had everything and lost it. And Job finds himself sitting where he once had everything with nothing left. But these friends come around him and they bring strength to him. And they refuse to leave him in loneliness and in isolation so that they can journey with him even in the midst of adversity. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for friends who show up in the moment of adversity. And for people who lean in when others are leaning out. Be careful or be aware in your life of who starts leaning into your life in the moment of adversity and who starts leaning out of your life in the moment of adversity. Job had friends who leaned into his life in the moment of adversity. But still, just because they leaned in doesn't mean that they know it all. Because the narrative of Job's friends is also, Job, what did you do? Because this is no good, and we love you still, and we showed up still, but it's apparent that you've done something wrong. Their whole story to Job for chapter on chapter on chapter is what did you do to upset God? Job, what did you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Job insists, I haven't done any. I have been upright before God. I have been faithful before God because we have this internal dialogue still that when we see someone's world crumbling and someone's world shattering, that certainly they did something. Certainly there is something. And they press on him, no, Job, but secretly, in secret, where did you sin? In secret, where did you get off? In secret, where did you miss the track? Where did you miss the mark somewhere? Job, who have you been talking to that you shouldn't have been talking to? Job, what have you been looking at that you shouldn't have been looking at? Job, come on, we know that there's something under the surface, and Job is like, it's just the time and the chance of it all. I don't know what else to tell you, because sometimes even the closest people in your life who love you the most cannot see what's going on in your life and cannot understand that sometimes it's just the time and the chance of it all. Sometimes I'm doing all of the things, and sometimes I'm showing up the best I know how to show up and sometimes I'm honoring God with all of my life and sometimes it just turns if you feel like you've done all that you know how to do. I'm telling you today, I came to speak to you. If you feel like, God, I have honored you,
followed you with all of my life. And God, I've kept showing up when I didn't know what else to do but to show up. God, I feel like every day that I know how, I take step after step in your paths of righteousness. But what I'm looking at is a life turned upside down and a life shattered at the end. Today, I am coming to speak to you because there is a message for you that sometimes is just the time and the chance of it all. And when Job's friends couldn't hear him and Job's friends didn't understand him, Job goes and he argues with God. He gets in the face of God and he struggles with God. And he says, God, and he tells him how he's upset and he tells him how he doesn't like it. And he questions God. And he tells him, I'm doubting what you're doing. And I'm doubting that you've showed up. And he even accuses God of not caring and not paying attention. Do you even see me anymore over here, God? I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer like that. God, do you still hear this? God, do you still see me? Do you still know I'm over here? And he comes to God and he struggles with him. He fights with him. But he never curses him. And he never says that he doesn't exist. He continually goes to God. My encouragement to you is do not curse God when you are struggling. Go to him with all that you have and doubt who he is and call out to him and cry out to him and long before him and tell him, God, it feels like you've forgotten me over here, but with everything that you have, do not doubt that he is still there and do not doubt that he hears you in the midst of it because he is there for you and don't give him the silent treatment. I don't know if you've ever been given the silent treatment in your life. It's this thing where if somebody's upset with you, they refuse to talk to you as a form of punishment. It's a form of emotional manipulation to inflict pain on the other person so that they feel a little bit of a sense of power regained. Some of us are in trouble because we keep giving God the silent treatment every time something doesn't go the way that we want it to go. Every time life doesn't show up for you in the way that you wanted it to or every time something shatters out and your life feels broken and scattered on the floor before you instead of going to God and saying, God, I'm upset about this and God, this frustrates me and God, this isn't what I wanted and God, I don't like any of this and God, I can't believe you would leave me out here like this and do you even remember that I'm here and do you remember all the things that I said to you and all the things that I've done? God, do you remember all of those things instead of all of that? We just go silent on God. Like it hurts him. And we miss the very place that we can come to to cry out before him and to remember that he is there and to remember that he calls to us. We forget the place that we go to and say, God, I, I don't like what's going on. And in all of that, Job never lost his integrity. Part of the question that is laid out before Job is the question of, do you love me without all of the things? Without all of my gifts to you, Job, do you still love me? Do you still desire him? I had a friend one time who got herself in a relationship where the guy was really generous to her and buy her all kinds of amazing, really luxury, luxurious gifts. And they'd been together for a while. And she and I were talking one time, and I said to her, 
do you even like him? And in a real moment of honesty, she said, I don't know that I do, but I really like the gifts that I get. I know. And it feels a little funny. It feels a little gross. But the truth is, a lot of us show up to places where we work all the time, where we don't care anything about the mission, and we don't care anything about the outcome, and we don't like any of the people that we work with, and we talk bad about all of them, but we like our check at the end of the week. So we just keep showing up with a bad attitude because we like what we get from it more than we actually like them. And the truth is that some of us show up to God and we like his good gifts, but our affections are not for him. Our affections are not before him. We want to follow the book of Proverbs because we want to live a life with the gifts of God in our life, not because we want to live a life pleasing before him because we have so fallen in love with who he is. And the question before Job is, but are your affections for God or were your affections for his good gifts and in the midst of it all Job never loses his integrity he cries out before God but he never loses his integrity he may have lost his good name because everybody was talking about him your reputation and your integrity are not the same They are often closely linked, but it is possible for your reputation to be damaged and your integrity to stay intact. In fact, I think in today's climate, our desire to hold on to a solid, shiny reputation might be more detrimental to our integrity than anything else because it causes us to say things that we don't really mean and to agree with things that we don't really agree with and to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do because we believe it's what others want of us and what others want to see from us and what has become socially acceptable. And so for the sake of my reputation, I sacrifice my integrity. And I am telling you, if you have to hold between the two, take hold of integrity and let go of your reputation because your integrity will hold you before God and your integrity will keep you when you lay your head to sleep at night. Your integrity will walk with you. Your reputation may come and it may go, but your integrity will keep you and Job holds on to his integrity and it comes to the end and Job finds himself at the absolute end of himself he can't get his friends to understand what's going on and he's poured out his life before God and he has absolutely nothing left and he's sitting in the ashes of what was once his life before just wondering how did this happen and how am I here and what is going on and finally in the midst of all of that this is where the book of Job runs to and concludes it says and God came to Job God came and he answered Job and he began to speak to Job After all of the time and after all of the wondering and after all of the suffering and all of the time and the chance of this righteous man, God came to him. And it's this epic realigning speech. God starts out and he says, and Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when that was going on? And it's like an immediate like, "Ah!" oh, yeah. And God begins to lay out for Job 
who Job is and who God is and to realign their roles and their positions. But God does not begin to realign their roles and their positions because he wants to belittle Job and because he wants him to feel small. He wants to remind him that you are finite and you are part of creation and I am the God who laid the foundations of the heavens and of the earth. I am the God who spoke it all into being. I am infinitely higher and infinitely grander than you and what you should take from this, Job, is that this seems like the end to you, but it doesn't seem like the end to me, that this seems impossible to you, but it doesn't seem impossible to me. This seems like there's no coming back from it, but there's a comeback from it for me. This seems like there's no hope left, but when I step in and when I come in and from my view and from my seat high up in the heavens, there is plenty of hope left in your situation. And there is plenty of turnaround in your situation. And there is plenty of coming back in the midst of your situation. The story by the time we get to the end of Job's trial is that in the midst of the just sometimes and in the midst of the time and chance of life that God is coming to you. God is coming for your situation and he's coming into this moment. Don't give up in the midst of the sometimes because God is coming for you. The story of scripture is that God is coming. The narrative of the Bible is that God is coming for us. That he sees you in your hurting and he sees you in your loneliness and he sees you in your brokenness and he sees your sickness and he sees your disease and he sees the way your heart aches and he sees the poverty that you live in and he's coming for you and he's coming for you and he's coming for you if you feel lost and uncertain God is coming for you he's coming and he's always been coming the central message I think in the fall story in Genesis 3 is not that Adam and Eve messed up That was a predictable outcome. Any of us would have messed up. The central theme is that God came to them. They messed it up so bad. And he could have left them there, confused and in shame and naked and broken. But instead, he came to them. God could leave you, but he chooses to come to you. He could have left us broken and shattered, but he chooses to come for you. And if you're hurting today, if you're asking the question today, God, how did I get to this moment? God, I think I've done everything right. God, I think I prayed over my babies, but I don't know what's happening. God, I thought I invested in the way you told me to invest. God, we held our marriage as a sacrifice before you. What's happening in the midst of it right now? If you find yourself in that moment, the message God told me to tell you is that he's coming for you, that he's coming for you, that he's coming for you. God is coming into your situation and he's bringing healing alongside of him. He's coming into your situation and he's bringing hope along with him. He's coming into your situation and he's bringing restoration alongside of him. If that's a message that you need, just lift your hands in this room. Right where you are, lift your hands because God is coming. God is coming, God is coming, God is coming. Oh, he's coming for you. He's coming for you.